All right, welcome back, everybody, to this week's edition of American Billiard Radio. My name is Mr. Bond. I'll be your host once again this week. And, of course, it is, uh, let's see, what's the day? Oh, it's November the 12th, 2015. And uh, this show is brought to you in part by Tweet and Fiber Company, made here, uh, right here in the United States of America, don't you know? So, uh, as it is, the Moscone Cup is quickly approaching. A couple of weeks away, we're coming down to the wire. So, uh, we are, of course, as we usually do, talking to some of the members of the team. And we'll be joined today with uh, Mr. Mike DeShane and Mark Cantrell of the Legends and Champions Report. How are you guys doing today? Doing well, yourself? Good, good. How are you doing, Mark? Good, good. Good. Well, fall has fallen. You know, it's starting to get chill in the air, and uh, it's about that time of the year. Everything's getting ramped up for Moscone Cup. Uh, but before we get into that, um, Mike, what's been going on in your life for the last uh, 365 days or so? Man, I've had a very busy year. Yeah. Um, probably one of the uh, best years of my pool career, you know, as far as uh, being busy and, and yeah. playing a lot of pool and, good. and shooting uh, pretty good, you know? Yeah, excellent, excellent. How's this thing with the Hustlers? Uh, just for those that don't know yet, or d- that didn't know already, Mike DeShane was one of the uh, members or one of the players that was featured on the on the show by True TV, the Hustlers. How did that? Uh, how would your? How did you walk away feeling about that? Well, you know, I think uh, it, it was one of the best experiences of my life. You know, I'm very fortunate to have had it, and. Um, you know, walking away from it, I did not regret anything, and cool. you know, just a stepping stone for for the future. Sure, sure. Did you, uh, in general terms, did you enjoy it, or was it kind of a pain in the butt, or you know what I mean? You know, actually, you know, pool pool is a big part of my life. So being in a pool hall and just being videotaped, you know, it was, it was natural for me. It was just whatever. You know, I just walk into the pool hall each day and that the same way I would yeah, every yeah. day. Right. So it was it was pretty easy. It was it was cool. Okay. Cool. Mark, did you have any questions relative to the Hustlers or any of that other stuff? No, I'll, I'll make a comment on it. So it was um, going into it like a lot of people, I've said this before on different interviews, going into it, I was, uh, when the first episode came out, I waited for it, I'm like, okay. And I was... Uh, kind of cringing a little bit, thinking <laughs> this is either going to be a hero or a zero, and everybody's going to come up looking stupid or something. And I started watching it, and I was like, okay, you know what? This isn't that bad. There's a couple of technical editing things in there that only people who know Paul would maybe yeah, realize. Yeah, sure. Uh, but... I, I still got to record it. It's on my DVR. I'm going to say it's all, all the episodes. <laughs> I, I don't know why I'm saving them at this point because I've seen them, but, and I was really hoping for a, a season two. Yeah. Because yeah. by the time I got to the end, I was going, oh, this is, this is pretty good right here. I'm, I'm looking forward. I was looking forward to watching it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, they built the characters. You know, Martin, I, actually, I am sorry. Sorry about that. That's I actually had the same impression before I got onto the show. You know, I whether I thought, is this going to be a good idea or a bad idea? You know, right. I, being a professional pool player, I didn't want anybody to question my integrity sure. and right. really, uh, if if the show really uh, portrayed a bad image about the sport, it could it could have hurt me in the long run. But it, it you know the way I, I uh, 
made my decision was I look at pool right now and anything going mainstream can only help the game. Pretty so much, it, yeah. it was a good decision on my part. Yeah, I think so. I tend to agree. Do you, have you had uh well, first two part question. Uh, the first one, just a yes or a no. Any, any, uh, whisperings about another season? Uh, Really, I stay away from that. You know, whatever happens is going to happen. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I haven't heard anything, okay. but, um, you know, it, we're coming up on that time again. So it could happen, but I, I'm not sure. Okay, okay. All right. The second part was... Um, I think, I like... Oh, go ahead, or, go uh, ahead, Mark. I, I think you did a good job on that. I, I really <laughs> do. Whether you, whether you would act in or not act in, uh, it, it could have been very, very easy to... Uh, to, to look like you were trying too hard. True. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. You, you, did, you did a good job. I mean, you didn't, like you said, you went in, you did what you did, you did, you, you played pool. Uh, I'm sure there were a couple of things in reality TV that I've come to find out other than this uh, that are kind of not as real as reality would you'd want it to be. But yeah. <laughs> Uh, you, you look, you look good. You look good, man. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I thought so too. As a matter of fact, he came across actually as one of the more level-headed of the group. To be honest with you, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's my problem. Is I'm so level-headed in, in, in a group full of crazy people. <laughs> I, right. That's exactly it. Right there. That's right there. You put me with a bunch of kooks, and I'm going to look real good anyway. So that's fine. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you can read anything Billings. You're not going to see that written down too much, are you? <laughs> yeah. No, no. Do Mike McShane was the same one. Uh, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, he was the... Yeah. D- have you ever... Have you had anybody come up to you, like total strangers in the street, and go, Oh, I saw you on TV? Yeah, it's happened, it's happened probably a handful of times. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, it was definitely very exciting. You know, it was cool to see somebody that you never met before, just be a fan from, from yeah. something they watched yeah. you on. You know what I'm saying? It, just, yeah. it, it, it was a pretty good feeling. Yeah. Well, it's got that, a, a good that, feeling that, and strange, too. Yeah. It is, though. It is. I'm that's sorry. pretty cool. Go ahead, Mark. That, that probably is awesome. There's yeah. somebody that is not a pool fan is saying, hey, what's your, I saw you on TV. That is Absolutely. just awesome. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I don't care if two people... One person or 150 people. It's yeah. the fact that somebody outside of the sport yeah. recognized you as the guy who played pool on the hustlers. I, I, yeah. I think you can't, it's obviously, if it's happened to you, it's happened to everybody else as well. well yeah. I, and yeah. so it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing. Oh, man, we just need more of it, that's all. So uh, yeah, sure. that. yeah, that would be good. That would be good. Well, and speaking of good television, uh, I guess we should go ahead and talk about Moscone Cup because that's good TV. Um, Mike, you, you earned... <laughs> you you uh, were fortunate, uh, or excuse me, you were skilled enough to earn yourself a spot at the top of the rankings. No, fortunate was okay. Fortunate okay well, right. you know, fortunate, skill, <laughs> fortunate as well. You were fortunate to be skilled enough uh, to get yourself into the box there. So now, you know, uh, we're facing this, you know, quote-unquote, one of the biggest events of the season. And uh, so, e- easy one. How does that make you feel? You're on the team. What do you do now? 
Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I just go out there and I practice every day, and I get mentally prepared. I want to, I want to um, play my best pool there in Vegas, and you know, Mark Wilson's doing an incredible job with situating everything. We're flying into St. Louis a week early, and uh, we're cool. going to practice as a team cool. and just get ready. We're just going to, uh, we're going to be, we're going to be as ready as ever Good. to play against Europe this year. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, how do you feel? Now, this is a tough question, you know, because I don't want you to 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 feel like I'm putting you in a in a in a putting you on the spot, because I kind of am, but I'm kind of not. How do you feel about the team, uh, strength wise? Do you feel like it's good, or do you feel eh, we might, eh, you know? The uh, the numbers don't lie. This is the best team True. America has to offer, and I think that we are going to go out there and play the best pool that anybody's ever seen. You know, I think that having Justin the Sky, two of the younger players on the team, is is something that not only is going to be great this year, but it's building the next year and mm-hmm. the year after that. Right. And obviously, you know, I, I, Shane and Corey, they've got experience. They've been on the team a hundred times apiece. Yeah. So I know they're going to bring it sure. uh, the way they're supposed to. And, you know, I, the only questionable one is me. <laughs> like, uh, the last two times of the Moscone Cup, I didn't do that well, but uh, I'm hoping to get better and, and become more comfortable. You know, it's very nerve-wracking being out there in front it of everybody. Is. It is. And the cameras and, you know, the energy level is insane. So, yeah, yeah. that's something I need to get over and, and I think I'm gonna, I think uh, after playing this past year and doing well in tournaments, I think that uh, I'm ready this year to play. Sure. So Good. That sounds good. That's good. I, I, don't, I don't think you're on your own, like, with uh, when you're saying something, I've got to get over. I don't think you're on your own now. I, I think that uh, Ralph Suquet, Archer, Corey, everybody, like Shane, who've played a whole bunch of times, they go to the Moscone Cup and they kind of know what's coming, but yeah, I don't think they can necessarily be 100% prepared for it. Now, when you played, you played two Moscone Cups, Mike? Yeah, yeah. One in Europe? One in Europe, one in Vegas. 2011-2012. Okay. Um, I, I, you were a, we, so you were at York Hall, or were you a, yeah, you were at York Hall. I was at York Hall, yeah. York Hall, and I think okay. at the MGM. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't think anybody gets used to it. Uh, is is my opinion. Uh, I think yeah. there's definitely an experience level there because you know there's things that are going on behind the scenes the whole time that you're involved in. Whether it's how, how many times do you, does a player go to their match? And it, what's the biggest in uh, the U.S. Uh, the U.S. Open, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say you get to the finals of the U.S. Open. You're on the TV table, and or any other tournament for that matter. Do you have somebody guiding you saying, okay, we need you stood up here on the top of these stairs right now. We're getting ready to go live. Here's the spotlight. Here's the music. And then you've got a camera following you all the way down into your chair. People high-fiving you on the way down there. Mm-hmm. That's just something that's happened. That's before you even start hitting the freaking ball. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. You're making me nervous right now. <laughs> well, who, who was I talking to earlier? I was talking to somebody earlier, and I said that, actually, it might have been Dave, being a spectator at the Moscone Cup. Yeah, yeah. As, as far as pool goes, is the most uh, fun-filled, 
uh, is a rush, amped up, uh, explosive yeah. atmosphere yeah. than anything you you used to experience it. And that, for sure, as a spectator, that's not having to go and play pool now with the spotlight on you. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to make you nervous, but I'm just saying it's for what the players have to do prior to <laughs> He's trying you're to in. He's trying to get Mike nice and relaxed for the match. <laughs> you know, well, no big deal. No big deal. You know, action high energy. You know, yeah, just a few thousand people screaming maniacs. That's all. No big deal. Yeah, no problem. See how many Europeans show up. They're uh, yeah. the ones who make all the noise. Well, Mike, yeah. let me ask you this: um, if you had to, if you had to summarize it, what? Is your um, what do you feel like is your strength? What are you bringing to the team? What you know? What are you putting on the table? Yeah, I think um, my strength is is high you know high energy and shot making, big break. You know, I'm 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 there in in you know believe it or not, I have I'm there for the team. You know, I, I want us to win as sure. badly as anybody else. Sure. So. Uh, I'm there to help out and, and do whatever I can so everybody's comfortable and 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 just bring bring home uh, a trophy. Yeah, yeah, and then I, and obviously perform, get the job done is whatever. Yes, you perform. Know. Yeah, I want to get the job done. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Hopefully. I plan on doing that. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's what we all hope for. So cool. Well, um, let's see. You did pretty good at the, at the U.S. Open, Mike. Didn't you? What, what did you end up finishing at the U.S. Open? I finished thirteenth to sixteenth. Thirteenth, sixteenth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I lost to Cerculio and in, in, in uh, Taiwanese player or Chinese Taipei. They both played flawless pool against me, and really, you know, by the by the last two days, everybody was figuring out the break, and and it was just who was breaking and getting a, a clear shot. And you know, every match I played, it's like, well, specifically the one I played, Dennis, like. He broke and ran four. I broke and ran four. He broke and ran three. I broke and ran two or three. You know, and then got kicked in, and then he ran out. It was, it was just a, a crazy match. So I mean, it was a it was a good tournament. I liked it. It was a good uh, setup this year, and, and everything was done correctly. Yeah, it was. Well, I know I was watching uh, the 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 bracket the points with the Moscone points to to qualify in points. Other than Shane, obviously, he, he had it won halfway through three months into the. <laughs> end of the year, but with uh, you and Corey, it was you, uh, you guys were both real tight. And then uh, who's behind you? Bergman and Scott Frost. Yeah, and it was a pretty tight race this year. It was it, a pretty tight race. Uh, I, I it was. the show missed the first three events or four events. Right, right. Well, for the Moscone yeah, I had. I was wondering early on in the year. I was really wondering because you you got a late start on points for sure, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, that was the um, the Swanee the and the CSI events, right? Is that what you're talking not, about? It was a CSI. It was Reno. Was Swanee Reno a points event? No, I don't know. If yeah, Swanee it was a points event. event. Was it? Oh. Reno was 100% yeah. sure. Reno definitely was. And I missed all three of those, the 8-ball, yeah. 9-ball, and 10-ball. I may have went, missed one more, but I'm not 100% sure. Uh, but Jay Swanson Memorial. Behind. Jay Swanson Memorial was one? I believe it was. Um, I'd be okay, if it was, so I missed sure four. It was. Mm. They announced it like, uh, uh, it was like real short noise that they yeah. announced it. So that, Yeah, that was another one. 
that was there. And if you were at Jay Swanson, there's no reason you won't be going to Reno. You know what yeah. I mean? Because it's up, up the road. So you, yeah. you probably missed those. And those are the four that you missed, or did you miss another one? Those are the four I missed. I, I think that's it. I'm, I'm not sure, though. Uh, you know, I just focused on the ones I were, was playing in and yeah. uh, tried to do the best I could, you know? Right, yeah. And it was bunch good. Bunch of seconds. Bunch it, of seconds this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It came down to the wire. It really was. We were talking about that before the Open, how, how at, at that point still it could have been a total flip-flop, scrambled, you know, mess because yeah. everybody was so close to each other within points there. But, yeah, um, for sure. All right. Yeah, anybody, it was, it was actually kind of exciting to watch. And it was like, who's going to lose? Who's going to lose first? And there was you there, yeah. Corey there, and Bergman. And yeah. it's like, it, it, whoever goes out first, could this is going to make a difference in the whole lineup. Yeah. Of, of everything. That's so, very true. Uh, but you, true. You, did, you did well uh, coming into the points where it's late, so to speak. Uh, you you must have done real good everywhere else to to you mm. get to qualify on the points. Yeah, yeah. So I said I had a I had a year pass with second places. You second in the U.S. Open eight ball, second at Turning Stone, and then uh, you know fourth at Super Bowl Expo and a couple others mixed in there. But mm-hmm. cool. it was uh, it was cool. a good year. Cool, cool. How do you feel about the um, about Europe uh, the Team Europe lineup this year? Who's on the team? Oh Lord, have oh, I'm mercy. just kidding. I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure. I think it's uh, it's a Niels, Nick Vandenberg, yeah, Alvin Ocean, Alvin, um, Carl Boys, and Darren Carl Appleton. Boys, you know, of Darren. course, you know, Europe plays strong every year. They do. I think they're they're, they're more year, more used to the conditions, um, and and uh, you know they just they're riding off the momentum of winning last year. Yeah. I think that uh, it's going to change. So yeah. yeah, I think it's a strong team though. They're 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 excellent. This is true. This is true. They're going to. They're going to have a good year. Uh, They always have a good year. They play well for the last, you know, Mm -hmm. 10 years or so. Even if they did lose, they still play well. So this is all. It's just, you know how it is. The races are so short. It's just these little bursts Mm. of excellence. You got to get just, you know, on the money for just that few games. Over and over, and over again. You got to take advantage of every, every, mistake. yeah, every single, yeah, every single and shot. Hopefully, matters. the other guy doesn't take advantage of every mistake you make. Exactly. Or you don't make any. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It is a short race, an alternating break. You can't control the table. Right. So, um, uh, how, do you, how do you break it with the night on the spot? Mike? I'm breaking great. Uh, I've been practicing it since Shane and I went to London. I think I've got it down packed. You know, I think, um, it's it's a little bit more difficult because the rec- there's no template it's set in, or in place this year, so you just have to pay attention to maybe a couple spaces that the ref may right. leave in the rack. But other than that, right. it's a pretty good break. Right, right, right. Cool. Yeah. Well, you I know, know that we'll be working on it. So, so you well, you did well in the U.S. Open. The U.S. Open, there were nine on the spot, right? The U.S. Open was nine on the spot, but we used the Accurac. Which uh, which yeah. worked well, you know. Okay, so that's the, that's, that's, the, the, that's the difference. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, that's cool. Go ahead, Dave. I'm sorry. I'm, I keep busting in. No, that's all right. I mean, get 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 all your questions in real quick. I think Mike's got somewhere to be, so we should probably get out of. Yeah, his I'm here. going out to dinner here in about ten fifteen minutes, so I need okay. to get ready. Yeah. But uh, yeah. 
Um, any more questions? Or no, I think we're good. We just wanted to get your feelings on how uh, you know these things are progressing, and uh, what have you. So thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, thanks, Mark, for taking the time. Uh, best of luck to oh, Team I, USA. Yeah, well, I've got one question. One, one, one question. It's going to be quick. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mike, what's your prediction with, oh, the, with the numbers? Oh, oh, oh. So the numbers, I think that we're going to win 11-9. 11-9. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 11-9. Okay. All right. 11-9. Okay. All right. All right. I just wanted I, I just wanted to get that and see if uh, one of you to put my money. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And also, Team USA has a standing wager of a chicken dinner, so that you know, whoever the winner, <laughs> whoever the winner is, gets to say it. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. All right. Thanks, <laughs> gentlemen. Gonna get chicken dinner. <laughs> that's right. Uh, Corey's going to come after you. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And we will catch up with you next week right here on American Billiard Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of American Billiard Radio. I'm Mike Howerton with AZ Billiards. I'm joined this week by two gentlemen, uh, Dave Thompson and Phil Messina, who are involved in a uh, Kickstarter project for a documentary. Uh, Dave, Dave and I go back a little ways. You know, we've known each other from within the industry. Uh, can you tell us about the this documentary and and how this whole thing got started? Well, uh, as you know, Mike, thanks for this being here, first of all. But as you know, that I've been in the industry for 26 years now, and I've got this incredible working relationship with all the pros. And, that you know, I realized that the only way that the pool was going to get any reputation at all uh, that was positive was to make these guys into stars. And I thought to myself, we need a movie. We need to be able to sit down with these guys and talk to them and let the world see them as they really are. Phil and I have been friends for the same amount of time. In fact, we met through the USPPA back in 1989. We've been playing together for years. In fact, we used to play every Saturday, no matter what, if we were in town. And I was running it past him, and he said, well, you know, I'm a filmmaker, Dave. And I said, God damn it, I know that. And uh, he said, uh, why don't we do it together? Why don't we get this thing going and up and running? And I said, why not? And that was uh, 19, uh, two, 94, uh, t- no, 2004. And uh, we're still going. I mean, it's Hollywood, after all. Hurry up and wait, right? Isn't that the motto? <laughs> Um, Phil, the documentary is called From Hustler to Champion, so can you elaborate a little bit on that? Well, certainly. Uh, you know, the, 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 um, the key problem that Dave and I have been talking about for years with, film, with uh, pool, it, uh, there are three, I think, three areas. The, the first area of misunderstanding is that people, civilians who don't play don't really understand the depth and difficulty of the game, that it's, it's possibly the hardest game there is to play. Some of our champions say that. That's number one. Uh, so therefore, the, the way pool is, has been communicated in mass media 
it, it just doesn't do it justice. Meanwhile, you know, a, a game like golf, which is like, you know, watching paint dry, is one of the most popular games in the world because so many people play it and they understand the depth of it and it's got all this money behind it, right? So that's number one. Number two, the, the, the easiest way or the simplest way to, you know, get people to notice pool is, you know, the hustlers, the, you know, the scam artists, the underground world, the whole, that whole scene. And by the way, we don't deny that that exists in the film. It's, it's part of the, the, it's part of the journey of the pool player, particularly, you know, in the United States and in Asia where there's, you know, there's no support or money support in the game. And, and the, uh, I think those two things combined um, really, uh, you know, really are the problem that we wanted to address because we wanted people to understand, number one, that this is the hardest game in the world, the deepest game in the world, and the most satisfying game when you can play it well, uh, number one. And the players, the, the, the legends, the champions, you know, Efren and Buddy Hall and all these amazing people, People have to know who they are, you know, know them as, as, you know, as kind of journey, the journey these people have taken to get to be champions in a sport that's beleaguered by lack of funding and, uh, you know, all of this. So that was, I think, the, the primary uh, inspiration for the, uh, for, the, for, the, for the movie and the title from Hustle to Champion uh, is a good sort of, you know, it's a brushstroke. And I think that uh, that's where that that's how this came about. And you know, Dave, I want to I want to ask you this because you're familiar with the the person that I'm going to mention, um, uh, Jerry Forsyth, my business partner. He has put forth the opinion that it's a mistake for people within the industry to try to ignore that hustler past that is so prevalent in the game. He feels that your average uh, your average person who's semi-interested in pool but doesn't really know the players is interested in that hustler past. Um, what would your comment be on something like that? I totally agree with Jerry. In fact, we ex we want to. In some ways, we exploit it. We get the players to talk about some of their incredible hustles or situations they've been in, where they were had the guns at their head, as Earl talks about. Or you know, this is not the the sort of thing that we want to shy away from. Or especially as Phil says, you know, we don't want to cover it up in any way. We, in fact, if anything, we want to exploit it because that adds drama to the project. And that's the sort of thing that, you know, HBO, we showed this thing to HBO about, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, and they were really intrigued by it. And, of course, they were especially intrigued by the woman because the women are incredible. And, we, you know, the, there's very little of it shown in our little pitch reel, if you will, that's on Kickstarter. But, what the, you know, how the women are presented is, is very powerful, I think. And it's even more so in the film and so are the men, especially because the women don't get into the hustle too much the way the men did, or do, you know even do to this day and age. But they, you can't hustle anymore because of the internet, because of you know pay per views and uh, streaming video and billions 
Digest and Tool and Billiards, all these publications are out there, you know, exposing these players to as to whom they are. Their pictures are everywhere. In fact, even Buddy Hall and Grady Matthews and so forth, they all talk about that. Earl even, the last thing he wanted to do was enter a tournament because then he'd get his name in the paper and then everybody would know who he was and that would be, you know, the end of his career virtually as a moneymaker because there was no way then, as Ava talks about in the film, uh, there was no DVDs, there was no books, there was no anything that would generate income, even that, you know, the tournaments were low, you know, prize money and so forth. And players, as Ava said, had to gamble. I mean, it was part of their lifestyle. And even Steve Davis talks about it. You've got this incredible ability. You've got this incredible passion. How do you fund yourself? You know, so we love the hustle. And we totally expose it the best way we can and let it be known that that's the way it was, but now they've evolved into champions and legends. Mike, if I can add to that, uh, the, the, what Dave just said, yeah, I mean, uh, making money is a game that doesn't have enough money in it, a game that's this deep and this beautiful, and, and people get addicted to it, as we all know. You, you can't stop playing, you know, because you love it so much. And there's no money in it. They have they have to gamble, and and uh, you know the great ones. You know they all. Earl says it in our film. He said I was doing great with gambling and I had money and all this stuff, and something was missing. Uh, and and uh, you know a, a number of the guys talk about this very thing because they're they're at well they're athletes they're they're accomplished uh, you know masters of the game and. The logical place for them to go is to go into the pros and make a ton of money and be famous and go on television and all of that, you know, just like every other sport. Uh, so that's that's the background. We we understand why people have to gamble and why they and there's nothing wrong with legitimate gambling. We, we you know everybody everybody does it to some degree, but if you have an, an Earl Strickland and Efren, Efren Reyes. Uh, and uh, guys and, and gals of that, and like Jeanette and the others, I mean, these these people should be multimillionaires. <laughs> really, they should be. And, and that's one of the goals too here, which is to get to get people to perk up and say, "My God, let, I want to watch that tournament tonight." You know. And that we don't even know really if money would be the motivation because you know what Kevin Trudeau did didn't make any difference, you know, the 350,000 that Torsten won or, you know, Efren won when he beat Siegel, I think he won half a million. I mean, it didn't, it, st it still only made it to the bloody Versus channel or the Outdoor channel or something. But uh, who knows where it could go. But the bottom line is we want this sport to be shown as a, as a real thing. I mean, something with where the players get to express themselves and their passion and their, we can show their ability thanks to AccuStats Video Productions and Matchroom hopefully is going to get involved with some of their stuff. And we'll be able to show the world just how fascinating these people are and how it's, hopefully we can show how difficult the game is too. So game of millimeters, as we all say. Phil, you guys have, have mentioned a handful of different names, but yep. 
did I see there were 15 players involved in it? Oh, and there's more than 15. We, we have, uh, we've interviewed uh, over, I think, 25 of the top players in the world. And, uh, and every, all of our interviews are, are cover the same territory, essentially. You know, their origins, their passion, etc. How do they make a living? And the, so, and the, no, we, 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 we are tapping a lot, mo- many of the greatest in the game. And actually, there would be some more we want to tap too, because there are certain uh, key people today. So it's it's a narrative. It, the story is a weaving of all of these points of view, uh, and and the parallel journeys of how they got to where they are, and how they handle the pressure, and how they handle. As, as Phil just said about Earl, there was something missing, and how did so he realized? You know, he talks about it in the film. In the little picture reel about how when he won his first tournament, people applauded. That had never happened before. He said, what is it he says? He says, when, they don't do that after a gambling match. They just walk away in despair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Earl so we want, the world, we want the world to see, you know, this, as, as Phil says, this parallel universe and they all work and they all go, you know, it's all about the same thing. You, you, you got to keep playing. You got to, this. they got to, you know, from the last 50 years, we've got from Siegel and Buddy Hall, Nick Varner, all the way up to Shane. And it's just astonishing how their paths are so similar. And they, some of them handle the pressure a little bit differently. Some of them, in fact, Shane says he doesn't even experience pressure, which I really don't believe because uh, I've seen him, you know, in situations where there was definitely pressure, especially at the Moscone Cup when he's under a team situation. But maybe when he's on his own, he's got that infinite power that he can tap into or he's either going to win or going to lose. And uh, pressure's got nothing to do with it. He's just going to, the, the tables roll the way they roll sometimes, just what happened to him in the, current, the recent world championship with Copenhagen. I mean, the rolls went the other way, and boom, he lost. And that's the end of that. But whether he got nervous or not, who knows? Because he hides it so well. You know, he's so stoic. And then you've got others like, like Mike Siegel or something, who can who who chirps at everybody and lets you know exactly what's going on with them, you know. Also, Mike, one of the things that we want to talk we talk about now these these are all the legends who have survived. You know, there are a lot of guys who fell into the abyss in this game, as you know, I'm sure, Mike, and great players who disappeared, uh, and great players who who have. Uh, become cynical and bitter because they never got money. They never they struggle. They get married. They get kids, and and they have no income, and all of that goes down too. So that's part of it, and you know, a part of the story. And and we reference certain people, and certain even some of the players who are still champions express dismay over you know here here we are these this great group of people, and you know. I'm struggling, but struggling still every year to get through the year. You know what I mean? In fact, Danny D. Liberto tells us a very, a very uh, powerful story about uh, one of his mentors, one of his mentees. He was a mentor to somebody who started gambling and was doing very well, and then, then it dried up because people knew who he was. 
and then he started going to the track, and then he started going here and there, and the guy ended up getting killed. So there are stories, we know that, that there is part, that's part of the universe, and, and there's no reason for us not to discuss it. Uh, the other thing I want to say, too, is because, you, you, as you know, Mike, there's a history of, of pool where there was a time when there was a lot of money in the game. <laughs> you know, back in the 20s and the th 30s, you know, the, everybody played pool and uh, really sort of died, at, died after the Second World War with TV. Anyway, we'll get into that, too. <laughs> Dave, you know, a question comes to mind listening to you talk about how many of the players have the same viewpoint and the same story about how they came into the game and how they feel about it. It seems like a number of the top pros, they look at the game the same way, but why is it, do you think, that they can't seem to work together to build the game into something stronger? Like an association of, you know, the... Well, I think, quite frankly, that... Uh, the, the, there's what's the, the great line there's a very little difference between craziness and genius you know there's a very thin line and the truth is I think the greatest pool players are in their own way genius especially Earl you know you can imagine you know he's got such a sort of passionate and passionate if you will reputation that he getting involved in an association or uh, running a, a business, or it's just not something that pros are good at. Mm -hmm. Name me one guy who's crossed that, you know, into the other side, who's become, who's a great player, who's become a great businessman. Maybe, maybe Miserat did, and but the the rest of them. Look at Siegel now. Who knows what he's doing? He's tried his best at businesses, cue making, this, that, the next thing, and it just becomes very difficult for them to to make that living and, and to work as an organization to have those skills. And not only that, because they're champions, they're always fighting against each other, even in the arena. And then they have to come together and sit together around a boardroom or get agree on who would be in that boardroom for that association. I just don't think it's something that uh, mm -hmm. the, the pros can, can do. I just don't think it's something that's within their, the realms of their perspective on life to act as a, a group, to act as a unit. I think they're individuals from the get-go, and it's really difficult for them to agree on anything, really. Yeah, I, I think Dave is hitting, hitting a, a crucial point. You know, uh, th these are the best in the world, and, you know, there, there are a handful of them, and they are stars. I mean, they are divas. They are movie stars. And anybody who's at the very, very top of their game in anything, and you know, I worked in I work in Hollywood, you know, for many, many years. And you know, people talk about certain people in reverence because you know they stand alone, and these people stand alone. And I think going back to the issue of that, that because there's no simple avenue to proper rewards. There's a tendency among these people to, you know, uh, to look, be, be selfish and look out for their own personal interests, you know, and that I think is part of the reason there's, it's hard for them to get together and form a, a you know, uh, whatever, an association, uh, you know, a functioning uh, organization that takes all their interests uh, to heart and so on. 
uh, again, I mean, I hate to come back to this, but if, if there was, you know, a smart, a really smart, you know, business person who, so, who can see what we all see, I think they could, you know, they would say, what are we, crazy? We don't have to put up that much money and we've got an open book. I know that happened a little bit before, but I think it's still a reality. Why not? My goodness. Can you, I just was watching that polka thing last night, you know, uh, uh, U.S. polka tour. And here are these, like, weird dudes, you know, with no charisma. Oh, well, that's not true. They have charisma. And everybody's watching this crap, you know, and it's, you know, Two cards in their hands. <laughs> you know? you know, one lucky, one doesn't. And, and I'm thinking, my God, a pool player, it takes him eight, ten years just to play the game well, you know? <laughs> so we want to show all that. You know, we, one of the things we're going to do too, Mike, is we want to delineate what the games are. So people know that, you know, when, when someone's playing nine ball, an average person sees somebody playing nine ball, they think it's tiddlywinks. They need to know what the game is. We want to talk about one pocket, straight pool, and, you know, all of that, and nine ball, and so on. And also, the thing about, back to your question, Mike, about the, the money isn't there. I mean, that's basically, if you had an organization that was funded by, as Camel was, was doing, you know, and, Mike, and, and Mackie, you know, God bless him, he did, he did wonders for pool. I mean, at the time, and I thought it was great to work with those guys and be, you know, produce all their posters that year. I mean, I did sixteen posters one year, right. and that's how much money they had to put together promotion from Denver to New Orleans to LA. We did a couple of events. It was amazing, and there was there was some kind of funding there, but unfortunately, it was cigarettes. But. Uh, now, you know, we had Jack Daniels in there for a minute, or the, girl, the woman had uh, Gordon's Gin for five minutes. I don't know. I don't think it was anywhere near the amount of money that Camel was putting in there. But uh, that helps a lot, too, for, to, to fund organizations where you really can get people in there who are, as Phil says, you know, bona fide businessmen. And yep. that's what it really takes. But again, unfortunately, look at the women's tour right now. I mean, they were getting, they were doing better than the men for many years because of their organization skill and their ability to work together more so than the men could. But look where it is now too. And uh, that's, we have to change that. We have to let the world see that the, this is a bona fide sport, just like anybody else. Johnny Archer says it best, actually. He says, Tiger Woods, Michael uh, Jordan, they're no different from me. They do a thing better than I do. I do a thing better than they do. Right. And I honestly think what he, they do is, is nowhere near as difficult as what Johnny Archer does. And yet, look at the money that's in golf and look at the money that's in basketball. It's astonishing. And God bless them. Don't say I'm not in any way saying no. that's a, it's wrong and just give us some of that money too. That's not. We have to earn it. And we have to earn it by doing what we are doing by putting together a movie that shows these players with what they are. And that's another thing that Phil and I have talked about, is putting together a little bit of a pitch reel for the ind industry where, you know, we're going to give a 10-minute cut or 7-minute, 3-minute, whatever it takes, that will show these players that anybody can use freely to go to a corporate sponsor and show the, 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 that corporation, whoever they may be, or that advertising agency, 
to su suggest to their you know their clients, hey, look at pool. I mean, th this is an untapped venue, and it's and these guys are really talented. And look how wonderful they look on TV. I mean, look at the, the talent that's out there. The women are beautiful. The men are not bad either. As a matter of fact, <laughs> thinking about it, you know, it's not like uh, you know it was in the day with uh, T-shirts and jeans. I mean, look at what Akistats does now. Every tournament he puts on in that Make It Happen series, they're wearing a, a vest from a tuxedo. I mean, that's the U.S. Open's the same. These guys look pretty classy out there. And that's what we have to show, that the world is missing a great opportunity here to, you know, jump on the bandwagon with these great players who are playing, I honestly believe, as Phil says too, the most difficult game in the world, and nobody knows it. And also, I was saying, uh, the, I just lost my thought about the poker thing I was watching last night. I mean, the guy, the guy who came in fourth won $300,000. Fourth. The first guy won a million dollars. And I'm thinking, if, if there was a, a, a television show, live show, like a golf course, which goes on for 65 hours, put on a real tournament in real time, and the prize money is a half a million dollars. And, you know, that's going to get a lot of attention. And not only that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to put additional pressure on the players. And so you're going to really see the, the drama of the game, you know, in, in a deep, profound way. So, I mean, it's, it's, that's our mission. That's the purpose of the movie. And it's going, all of this is going to be discussed in the movie, too. This is part of the theme of the movie. Right. I I wonder because David mentioned that this has been going on for years and years and you guys have been accumulating this footage for years. Did the did the theme of what you were doing change over time as you did more of these interviews or did you know in the beginning this is the direction you wanted to go? This is the direction we've always wanted to go in to show the, the players in their true light, to show their characters, their star power, their ability, and their passion. And the, and the drama, and the, the struggles. I mean, the triumph, the, and the, you know, for what is it, the, the agony of, the, you know, defeat. Thrill of victory and the agony the, of defeat. Yeah, exactly. It's all about that. Nothing is, not, that's the beauty of it, too. We haven't changed our direction at all. Also, you know, each one of these people, uh, they have a personal story. You know, we get into their pri their personal lives about, you know, like, you know, Ava, you know, uh, who's a mother, you know, devoted to her child and how at one point that affected her game. She wasn't practicing enough. Uh, you know, uh, um, all of these issues, you know, uh, re real life steps in. I mean, you know, uh, Jimmy Mattia talks about his struggles, you know, with all his responsibilities and all of this and all of that. And, you know, it, 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 very, you know, you have to have a lot of strength of character to be able to move through to keep playing this game. You know, we all know guys, you know, who, uh, who you know, who played. Uh, we see it all the time in our pool hall. You know, suddenly a guy shows up. You, you know, Brian the lawyer, uh, Dave? Yeah. The new yeah. guy. He's a lawyer, you know. He's a you know, upper-middle-class guy said, what, what are you doing, you know? He says, well, I loved playing when I was a kid, and I was really good, you know? And then, you know, I had to go and 
have a career. <laughs> now I'm back. And then there were there were people who were seriously good and, and who could who have the the skills to be in the in the pro tour, you know, like like one pocket Richie and guys like that. And there's not enough money. They have a wife and three kids. They go into business. They leave to go get money, and then they yeah, come back. Grady, yeah, Grady talks about it too. He would say he says he said I had I had a nut. You know, get when he first got his, he became a father. Said I had a nut, and I had to go on the road, and I couldn't come back until I made that nut. You know, and sometimes you know he's sending money over every now and then, you know, when he can and so forth, and keeping the the food in the mouth and the rent paid. But he's got, I mean, he's got to go on the road to pay that nut. He's not going to go down to the, you know, to the you know, the employment office and look for a job because that's just not in his consciousness. That's just not in the thinking. This is all they know how to do. And this is all they can do because anything else would be a lie. Over the years, you've accumulated this footage. You've worked on this. Um, now it's a Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. Phil, um, yeah. why, why a Kickstarter and what... Where are you at in the process of the documentary? Let me tell you about a little bit about the filmmaking process. You know, um, you know the document documentaries are one of the most exciting uh, uh, forms. You know, uh, filmmaking forms, uh, and the problem with most of them, and we fall into that category, is that they they're pretty expensive. You know, they run into the hundreds and hundreds of thousands, and sometimes millions. And Dave and I basically funded this out of our own pockets, and you know, uh, we we got all this footage in hand, and we started to edit it, and we started doing all this all this work, and we tried to raise money early on. We went to uh, we went to Showtime, we went to HBO. People they said, "Oh, we love it. We're gonna we're not gonna fund you though. Let's see the finished film." You know, and that's kind of the mantra. So uh, you know. We've we've hit, we've spoken to a lot of people. Look, the last eight years have been a giant depression. You know, money's tight, right? So in documentaries now, um, one of the the easiest ways or the most direct way not easy nothing nothing's easy is is the crowdfunding, and because it's a passion project, uh, people will support it. A doc, and we're working with a team here of people who are helping us with this, who have been successful in raising money on other docs. But you can't raise money on a on a project that people don't care about. So our our uh, goal right now is to get completion money, which is really to set it up like a you know like a, a rational business and have a schedule and finish this in six months. You know. Um, and so, you know, we're in film, filmmaking is a little bit, I got to tell you, it's a little bit like pool playing <laughs> because, you know, some projects get funded, others don't. And we're, we're all gypsies too. You know, Dave knows this, you know, I've been, I've never had a full-time job in my life, <laughs> but, but that's okay. You know, I love what I do. And, you know, Dave's also an artist We're you know, we're, you know, so that's, the, that's the thing if we if somebody had written a check for a half a million dollars eight years ago this movie would have been finished three years ago you know so that's kind of what we're where we're at right now and the response has been great and 
the word is spreading, and people love the, love the presentation. And you know, it's very it's very exciting. I even went to my pool hall. You know, I <laughs> I, I I tapped all the guys, and they hey, this is pretty good. I said, you know, spread the word, and a couple of guys might even put in five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> that must be the lawyer. <laughs> But the other thing too, Mike, is, you know, we've got about at least 60 hours of talking heads, you know what I mean, back and forth. And that's not including the AccuStats footage you have. Pat has given us his whole library. Not only that, in the Kickstarter campaign, you can donate 30 bucks or something and get, any, get yourself a DVD out of it and the whole bit. You know, he's put up rewards. We've got all these rewards. Qtex jumped on board with us. They're giving away Shane's cues to people who want to contribute. There's uh, other lots of different things going on out there. But the interesting thing is we've got 60 hours at least of these talking heads. Do you know how long it takes to get through that and come up with some feasible you know, stream of consciousness about the whole thing that makes sense in, de in certain categories? And for that, you know, this is where editors come in, and they really work magic. They can see stuff that Phil and I, because we're so deeply involved in this, it's hard for us to be subjective, or excuse me, objective. That's all we can be is subjective about it. So that third idea in there, that head that really knows how to separate the, you know, us from the project and look at it with a third eye, and that's an expensive process to get one of these guys to do that. And that's where more than half the money is going to that we're trying to generate. It's just going into one guy to pay one guy to edit this thing with us. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, if we were to put a number on this movie right now, I would say just in terms of the labor, the labor and the resources that we've, and the money, we're probably easily into it for a couple of hundred thousand already, you know. Uh, we've worked, you know, but anyway, but that, that, that's, that's just, this is just the normal part of, of filmmaking and documentary filmmaking. And I, we, Dave and I believe that if went with, with this film and we realize it's the vision of the film, which we will definitely do, I think part of the, uh, an important part of the direction we're pushing the film is, is for average people who don't know the game to get excited. And that's been happening already. You know, just through the demo. And I think that means places like HBO, Showtime. It could even be a theatrical release, but those are the kinds of places that will buy a movie like this that has more appeal than just sports. And especially it, is, it, is, it does have much more appeal than just sport because, the, unfortunately, the, the world doesn't look at pool as a sport. They look at it as a game. But the interesting thing is the personalities in this game are of the sport and this film are just unbelievable off the charts. Yeah. I mean, you look at the presence they have in the, the little pitch reel we've put together right now. It's alive with yeah. animation, with passion, with people just telling it like it is. And we've got hours of it, hours of it. It's just magical. And I want to thank all those players for contributing, actually. I mean, I'm not going to mention their names because they'd be here for another 10 minutes. But you can see that list on the, on the Kickstarter page. I mean, it's, it's long. As Phil said, it's like 25. It might even be 30. And we've gotten them 
from 1950s, talking about the 50s all the way up, and actually living the, the game in the 70s, in the 80s, in the 90s, in the, right up till the present day. And it's, it's almost the same. That's the interesting thing about the game. In fact, it's regressed in some ways the way it was, even in the 70s, you know, you look at the Reno, Tahoe, or whatever it was, events, they were playing for thirty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000. That was the last time we saw a $50,000 event, at, at, other than a world championship. I mean, right. I mean, it's, and the good news is, Barry last weekend came up with uh, 40000 for the US Open. Last year, I think it was thirty or the year before, that was twenty-five. And the, you know, God bless Barry. He's been doing this for forty years without a without missing a beat. Well, he's you know he actually had his troubles too, like everybody has, but he kept coming through, man. And and the good news is, the more the bigger the field gets, the more international it gets. And it was for me personally, it was great to see the China, the Chinese Taipei. Yeah. Chen win it last weekend. That's great for the sport. And not only that, because it's great for China, because they're in a situation right now where it seems to me that they want the world to know how good they are at everything, from yeah. ping pong as we started out. You know, that was their big thing. And now they've got Chinese tennis players that are getting into the big league, this, you know, the grand slams and finishing well. And uh, the fact that they're certainly, you know, we've been on them for years to send out the players, if, you know, to, to the U.S. Open. And finally, they showed up this year, five of them. And in the last eight, three were left. It's astonishing. I was talking to Ian Anderson the other day about what's happening out in, with the women's event out there. He told me that 20, uh, in the last 20 players, 18 of the women were, from, were of Chinese origin. And there were two, two women, uh, two Westerners, Jasmine Ocean, and uh, good old Ali Fisher. So it's a it could be great for the sport, the, the Chinese money to come in here and support it and bring it into the limelight that it wants, that 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 once was. As it's, I mean. It's uh, the opportunities are golden right now. I honestly have got nothing. I see nothing but a bright future for the sport personally, and I don't even care if Budweiser gets in again or, or uh, who was it we would like? You know what I think would be the best sponsor you could get? Apple Computer. Not that they ever would sponsor anything, but the idea of Apple Computer with its elegance and its sophistication and its just an unbelievable depth is pure pool. An Apple computer and a pool game are exactly the same thing. They're so beautiful yeah. and function so well. Apple is the perfect sponsor for pool because that's exactly what pool is, the sophistication of an Apple computer or of an iPhone or whatever. Well, so I'm surprised the game is still struggling just listening to you talk. <laughs> No, Mike, th th this, is the, this is what Dave and I have been talking about for years and years and years because we play together and we, we just love the game, you know. And, you know, I'm, I'm a, a, you know, a, a, a very experienced filmmaker. I've been doing it all my life, writing, directing, producing. I do all this stuff. And pool has really been my, my little savior, you know, in a way because it's, it's the place I go where I'm alone and I 
play and my brain leaves the world and I'm into the balls. Oh man, it's just the best, you know? And I make time still all the time. I played yesterday, not well, but I played, you know? Uh, so the, the, this, is, this is what we're trying to, we want the world to know the, the big, the whole story. And you know what? The hustling and the gypsy life and the smoky, shady part of it, it's part of the game. It's okay. It's Not like, as much as but, it used to be. No, you but, know, That's the beauty of it, too, because it's, you can't be a hustler anymore. I mean, everybody's known. Well, there, there are Billy, people... But what is it Billy says, Phil? Efren Reyes can't lay down. Shane no. Van Boning can't lay down. Billy's great in this movie, too. So is Danny D, by the way, that you mentioned. Oh, but, you know, others can, though, Dave. You know, you don't have to be pro-level to be a hustler. You know, there are people who run around and, you know, scam artists and they make you feel bad. That's always going to be part of the game. But, but, if, but if, the, if there's a, an, end, an end game in the sport where, you know, Efren, you know, I mean, come on, Efren Reyes is like Heifetz playing the violin. The guy is a genius. Nobody knows about him. You know, whenever yeah, I... Yeah, they do in the Philippines. Yeah, he's their <laughs> no, national I'm, I'm, champion. I'm talking like a civilian right now. I'm not talking... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, everybody in the Philippines knows him. You know, you know, uh, Mike, I, I, I'm working on Avid here, my editing system, and I, every now and then I'll have a technical problem, and I call, I call the techies, and they're in the Philippines. And I'll say, you know who, you know who Bata is? Oh yeah, so yeah, yeah. I said, and I'll show him the clip right on the screen. <laughs> but you know what? He should be known by everybody. You know, when I tell people, when I tell people who my civilian friends, I said, see that little guy? It looks like a gardener. You know, it looks like the guy who 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 cuts your grass. He's the greatest player in the world. Maybe one of the greatest player of all time. And they their eyes open up. Wow. And, you know, when you get to know or, uh, Efren, even a little bit, his humility, his sweetness, you know, and his deadly killer game. I mean, come on. People need to know about that. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to make them know. We're going to let the world know about this game, man, it's a, and this sport, and these players, because they deserve to be known. And we, that's why we need this Kickstarter campaign to work. We need everybody's help out there. I mean, we can't do this alone. We've, we've worked and worked and worked. We want to make this the best possible project that it can be. We want to portray these players in the best possible light and the sport in its best possible light. And we're going to indulge in the hustle, because, but it's nowhere near what it was. And that's why these guys are now champions and legends. And I say guys, I mean women too. Right. Dave, you touched briefly on some of the rewards that are available for people who come on board with the Kickstarter. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, I'm still going on working on some of the, you know, the industry quotes, you know, I want to see them the possibility, want to see the possibilities here of getting involved in this. And as I say, as far as the, I asked a few people at the trade show and they were all here and there on it. But uh, the good news is Mike DeMora came through, man. And so did, obviously Pat did, AccuStats did, he came through. Take a thousand DVDs, as many as you want. And Pat was incredible about it. And we've got, uh, the, you know, all these other crazy little things that are, that are people 
who are working with us on this Kickstarter campaign, these professionals, this team that we're working with, and they're suggesting we do certain things like uh, give a night and, you know, give our tickets to the, the, the Derby City Classic or the US Open if you buy this, or, or a night with us in the town at the premiere of the movie if we do a little private screening, which we'll probably do in LA sometime. Once it's done, we'll invite all our friends and all the people who've contributed locally and anybody else who wants to come from anywhere in the world. But, you know, it's, it's, it's just go there and take a look. Can you think of any, Phil, right now that you'd want to mention, that some of the other rewards that are there? Uh, well, you know, well, there's the Q-Sticks, remember? Yeah, that's right, Q-Tech. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Sheik, did I, I mention that earlier? Q-Tech yeah. came through. Um, uh, you know, if you if somebody puts in a lot of money, you know, over, you know, ten grand or more, they get an executive producer credit on the movie. You know, we we acknowledge everybody who who contributes in some fashion. You have to, and really, what this is is a, is a, is about the support of the, the uh, support of the film because people like the subject matter. So, you know, uh, that's I wanted. I I've been trying to reach Jerry McWhorter. By the way, do you have Jerry's number, Dave? I'm curious. I, I uh, yeah, but he's on DannyMcQuarterQs.com. It's easy; got to be easy to find on Google. I found him and I emailed him, but I want to speak to him, you know, because he and I have this personal relationship because of, uh, uh, you know. Yeah, you uh, helped him with a film one time that he was making in film school. He gave me a, my stick. He gave me, the, you know, my other stick. So I want to ask Jerry to, you know, to help us and so on. It's Mike. It's a it's a process, you know, this whole thing. So. We, we there there are some there's a reward for every category including five bucks. <laughs> Even five bucks. We start this we start at the Scottish level and work all our way up to the Italian. <laughs> but the good news is too I mean you know, it seems you know, you and I briefly talked about this the other day, Mike, about how that it seems within the pool world it seems like fifty five thousand seems like a lot of money. Fifty five thousand I mean, in, a, in making a film, I mean, what do you think? What did Spielberg spend on 55000 Probably on grips, you know, probably on a driver or two, you know. And uh, we want to make a whole film that's going to transform the whole image of pool. Yeah. And it's a pittance. It's a pittance. But, and, I mean, if, if we, with all the people, all the pros that we've, that we've contacted and the ones that are in the film, I mean, Johnny Archer... Has got five thousand friends on Facebook. If each of those person, if these people put in five bucks, would be happy there. You know what I mean? So it's amazing how little it really is when you think of the numbers. What about Jeanette's contacts, Earl's contacts, all the people? If they when they do their little tweeting, if the people involved get involved with this process and this project. The film, we, you know, we'd be done in a week and in terms of meeting our goal. So it's just a matter of getting the word out there. And, we, and for that, we thank you, Mike, for offering to interview us. Happily, Mike, uh, our, our, our numbers, the reach is growing very rapidly now, and, which is very, very good. And, uh, you know, because you know, our team knows all about the social social media stuff and they're they're tracking it all so the whole the whole thing with these kind of fundraisers is that as the as your uh, contact list and base grows that's when that's when the, the numbers start going up quickly 
and we're doing okay. And needless to say, we're we need to get all the players behind it as well, you know. And you know, we are little by little. Even the pros who are not in the, the the film, who are not, you know, we had a criteria basically of you had to be a world champion, of you had to be a multiple. Because otherwise, the list goes on of all the people we could invite. You had to be a multiple tour winner, you know, because there's so many people out there that are that are valuable to the sport, but and we want them to get involved with their social, net, you know, media networks and allow them to see because it only can help them. It can only help the pros, no matter what level of pro that they are, um, as long as they're part of that process of going on to events and participating and coughing up a thousand dollars just like happened when you know Barry got 128 players to cop a thousand dollars to enter the US Open this year when he first started mentioning that people said he'll never get he won't get 96 he won't get blah blah 64 128 people showed up and made a prize fund plus the money that he added you know to add to that 128,000 and that's what's beautiful about this game. It's a team effort, ultimately. And that's what's the, the, and like any film project. It's a team effort. We're not doing this alone. Nobody does it individually. Well, you can go to Kickstarter and do a search for From Hustler to Champion for the listeners who want to go get involved. Um, I appreciate both of you taking some time today to talk to me about the project, and I definitely wish you all the luck in the world on it. Thank you very much. And also, you can go to Facebook, too, and that'll get you right in there. Facebook forward slash from Hustler to Champion. And Twitter, I think it's Hustler to Champ, the digit two. And there's all kinds of ways to get involved. And just go take a look at it. Just feel the energy of that real that's that has been put together just to to promote this sport and these players man these superstars who deserve all the recognition they can get all right it sounds good thanks mike all right all right okay. gentlemen um i won't keep you any longer uh that's it everybody uh stay tuned next weekend or next week and hopefully we'll have another interview here on american billiard radio thanks everybody mm-hmm.